Warning, we're going to be discussing events for currently running weekly anime. If you want to avoid spoilers for certain shows, there are timestamps in the description. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Time Sync Anime Podcast mid-season review of Winter 2019. Um, it has been a really good season so far. Um, I'm JT, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Rex. Hi, right, yeah, it's, uh, pretty good. Uh, we got... It's not a crazy season. Yeah. Um, there's not a, a, a lot of great stuff, but there's, like, a small concentration of pretty good stuff. Yeah. Like, I think all the shows that we've kind of uh, settled into, like, this season ha- have all been pretty good, or at least above average, for sure. Yeah. And we'll be talking about those in more detail as this uh, as this goes on. Obviously, that's kind of what we do, and that's what you want to listen to us do. talk about anime! We did to talk about anime. We like talking about the Asian cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so... so we've been watching... Uh, 12 shows this season. Well, we've been watching more than that. But uh, we, we got our main 12 shows that we're talking about on our podcast every week. And uh, in this episode, we're pretty much going to be talking about our opinions on these shows so far. And then uh, other stuff that we're pro- watching on the side. Um, yeah, and before and before we get into the actual opinions on the shows that we are currently watching, like that we are talking about on the podcast, let's get the uh, side stuff that we're watching still out of the way first. So, I haven't been watching much myself on the side. Like, I've been tempted on watching a few things, like uh, full. Like I've been actually wanting to watch Full Metal. I've been putting that off for way too long. Anyway, but the main show that I've personally been watching on the side is uh, How Clumsy You Are, Miss yep. Uino-san. <laughs> I love that, too. It's so good. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a little 10-minute burst each week, so it's like... It, I, 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 I want more, but I don't know, I don't know if it would be good. Yeah, exactly. Because it shines, and it's short spurts of comedy yeah because ueno she she's just she's a love-struck child genius yeah uh and, and it's it's hilarious seeing all of her different inventions yeah all her different inventions and how like they're all supposed to relate for her trying to get her uh her crush to notice her which i am not entirely sure what the crush's deal is i'm not sure if he is really just a complete fucking idiot or if he's just trolling ueno i'm pretty sure he I, I think he realizes everything that's going on, and he's just fucking with Uino as, as much as he wants to. I mean, because, as we said before, like, that would probably me- make it more funny. Yeah. Like, like, going back to the scene where he just, like, grabbed her ass <laughs> and just started smacking the shit out of it. <laughs> or, like, like, a fucking slap chop, like, bam, bam, bam! <laughs> um, another really, uh, another really funny scene was... When they introduced, like, the sports girl, who was, like, the peak of, like, physical... Oh, yeah, the the sweat. Yeah, and, (laughs) like, do you want to drink her boob sweat? Oh, man. (laughs) And they actually played on a really funny trope, like, the... Like, because it was... They were hinting at, totally, that this girl was, like, crushing on Ueno. It's like, what is this feeling? What could it be? Could it be (laughs) motherly affection? (laughs) And I was like... Maternal instinct. Yeah, I was like... I was not expecting that, but... All right, I'm actually, and then yeah, let's just drink her purified boob sweat, which has been turned into water. Nom, 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 nom. And that's kind of going back into her original, like in what the episode one invention that she made, the thing that purified her urine. Uh, yeah, like and her trying to get Tonica to drink that. Drink my pee. Yeah, drink my pee. Um, what are some of the things that you've been watching on the side? Like I know we've both been watching UNO, but haven't you been uh, watching some stuff on the yeah, side? Yeah, I've been watching two Moe Blob shows because I have to have some every season to placate my inner demons. <laughs> uh, Endro. The, the setting is like generic fantasy. There's a hero and the hero's friends and then there's a demon lord. 
Except this time the the heroes cast a spell on accident that sent them back in time, and the demon lord uh, is apparently it, their first form is a little girl. Yeah. So she just becomes a teacher with the original intention to thwart the hero's plans uh, the f- of ever becoming yeah. a, a demon, a, a hero. Uh, and then, like, I think one of the, one of the most recent episodes, she was like, "You know what? I'm just not going to become a demon lord. <laughs> like, like, let's just I'll live longer. That just sounds better. Uh, but it's just it's cutesy comedy. Yeah, like nothing I, special. Like I've I seen it. some. Uh, I've seen some clips from it. It does seem kind of adorable. Like it does seem pretty adorable. Like very pa- like very pastel coloring. Yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. Holy crap! Like so much pastel coloring here. It it is very cute to look at. Like some of the character designs are actually pretty enjoyable. But uh, all in all, like this was definitely something that I would personally never watch. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's a specific flavor for those who like it. Yeah. And the other one you've been watching? Uh, Watanen, An Angel Flew Down to Me, which is actually one of my favorite shows this season, because mm-hmm. it's, uh, the, the, the idea is you have, a, like, a, a shut-in girl who, she, she makes cosplay for a living. Like, she goes to college, too. Um, but her main We find that out in, like, the, what, the last episode? Yeah, the most recent one, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she goes to college, and, and then her, her little sister, and then all her little, uh, friends that come over, and the, the main character, or I guess the, I, she's probably the main character, though. The older sister, Miyuki, she, like, makes... Basically, she she makes sweets for a yeah. girl that comes over because she's she she's like, oh, I, I really like this girl, kind of. I'm not sure if it's romantic or if it's just, like, she wants a friend or something. Yeah. But it's basically like, here, I'll bribe you with candy if you dress up in cute outfits so I can take pictures of you. Yeah, that totally doesn't sound sketchy at all. Yeah, they, they point that out multiple times. Yeah. The show's definitely very self-aware of what it is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pet... Pedophilia is totally okay as long as this as yeah, long yeah. as it's the same gender, right? No, only if it's female on female. Oh yeah, that's right because because yeah. that's how they took a page from Happy Sugar Life on that front, didn't they? Yeah. So it's it's the sequel to Uzumade that uh, everybody knew they wanted. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've got a couple glimpses of it here and there, and the bits I've seen are like okay, this is kind of funny, kind of adorable, but. Definitely. Once again, I'm not really into the Moe Blob trash. Uh, that is Rex's department, yeah, not so, mine. So, Enduro and Watanen, if you like Moe Blob stuff, I would highly recommend and it. Uin, and Uino, definitely, if you just are into, like, short-form, uh, some short-form comedy Yeah, shows. short-form, like, slapstick. Uh, slapstick, kind of just, what the hell Although, am I watching? Although, if, if you're not, if you're easily uncomfortable, e- easily made uncomfortable, wouldn't recommend it. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, you... Here's synopsis for the first skit. Girl pees into a machine that converts it into water, and then she goes up to the guy he she likes, and he's like, "Drink my pee." Yeah, pretty much. That's the skit. Yeah. And then her, um, and then her best friend, who's just basically trying to uh, get her to actually confess to the guy, she's like the best support ever. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, those are our sideshows. Uh, but for what we've been watching this week, uh, what are we starting off with? We are starting with Boogie Pop and others. Like, this was an interesting case because, like, when it first aired, it aired, like, the first two episodes. So, we are currently on episode eight when everything else is on roughly seven. But that aside, good lord, this show is interesting. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to keep track of sometimes, uh, because there's, 
so many things happening out of order. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, like, you... An episode or two later, you usually get all the answers to the questions you have. Yeah. As we said, like, kind of early on when we were uh, talking about this, it's very, like, uh, Bacchano-esque in the way that it goes about, like, it's a non-linear storytelling, which is really cool. I guess one thing that I could say that is a little bit of a complaint for some people is, like, some of the arcs do seem... For one, episode naming conventions for the arcs are very boring. Yeah, like just, uh, the uh, first three episodes were Boogie Pop and others, and one, then two, last three. five episodes have been uh, uh, Boogie uh, Pop versus the Imag- or was it Boogie Pop? Yeah, Bo- Boogie Pop versus Imaginator, yeah. one through five. Like, I think, though, but at the same time, that isn't really much of an issue. I guess for some people, this uh, series might drag on, but it's very, this series is incredibly suspenseful, mm-hmm. incredibly atmospheric. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to watch it every single week, just yeah. because I'm having so much fun putting all the pieces of the puzzle together myself. Yeah, trying to figure out like what uh what the main villain's plans are, like what exact like what exactly is Boogie yeah. Pop. That's like my favorite that's one of my favorite parts about anime like this is figuring everything out myself cuz like imagine like you're trying to figure out a puzzle, you spend like an hour on it and then someone comes up and puts all the pieces in for you. It's so, like what the fuck, man? <laughs> I was having I was having fun with that. Yeah, the the other th- so it seems like uh people are like in the community are sort of torn about this at the moment on Kitsu, for instance, it's only got a 70%, which I guess makes sense. This isn't ever going to be everyone's cup of tea. It'll probably go up once the, once the show finishes. Yeah. This, uh, it's been an absolute treat to watch just kind of wanting to, uh, some of like the psychological themes and stuff they delve into, like split personalities. We still don't entirely know what, uh, what Toka and Boogie Pop's connection is, why she has this Boogie Pop persona. Yeah. If, if, if we go based off the opening, it's the Imaginator wants to kill Toka because Toka is the vessel for Boogie Pop. Yeah. And Boogie Pop is trying to protect Toka. Yeah. That's, that's what it seems like in the opening. Yeah, that's what it seems like too, but I'm definitely interested. Speaking in... of which, opening is awesome. Oh yeah, it's it's Mythenroid, <laughs> which by the way, if Mythenroid has done has just done it again with making some really good intros. Like yeah. the song is so catchy. It's uh, Shadowgraph, I believe, is the name of it, and I really like the intro. Like it has been like I find myself kind of humming it to myself. Like today, like I'm just yeah, it's in my catchy. head. Um, the other thing about Boogie Pop though is that the villain, so or at least the main villain for this arc, has been super fascinating. Like talking Jean, about uh, Gene. Jin, yeah. Yeah, he's fascinating. I don't even know if I'd call him a villain. He's, uh... He's certainly the antagonist. He's an antagonist. Yeah. Because you also have a spooky electric, which yeah. now we know is actually what the E stands for. Yeah, well, he even... But to be fair, in an earlier episode, he did say, To get a taste of my spooky electric power. <laughs> which I was like, wait, what? Yeah, uh, so he's also an antagonist. Um, imaginator. But yeah, Jin's really interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't call him a villain. Mm. Because... From, I mean, I don't like using the term hero villain very much, mm-hmm. unless it's like Hiroaka, where it's a literal yeah, where, yeah, where that is the actual uh, like. Because from from his standpoint, he's the hero. Like mm-hmm. he's gonna fix the world. Well, to be fair, in every like in every character is like the hero of their own story. Like mm-hmm. even villains, like Light Yagami was the hero of his own story. When in when you look at the what things that he did, he's like. It was just reprehensible, the stuff that he did. And Gene is very similar in that regard. Which, again, props to Madhouse for doing that. Because they directed both uh, series, Boogie Pop and Death Note. And they also directed the original Boogie Pop. So, Madhouse is doing really good. The most recent episode, we're 
had some of the best damn Sakuga. Oh my god, action so Sakuga. <laughs> we'll gush about that in the act in the actual week seven review of the podcast. But that's enough about Boogie Pop. I'm so far having a lot of fun with it. I give it an eight right now. Yeah, I'd give it an eight so far. Yeah, definitely worth watching. So uh, next up we have uh, Dororo, which turned out to be one of the most kick-ass like samurai monster shows. Yeah, I've seen in a while. Yeah, you we um uh, we had referred to this kind of uh, jokingly before as Flesh Mega Man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, it's kind of living up to that name because that's kind of the whole premise of the show. But it's definitely um, delving into some like interesting themes of like revenge and uh, like and what revenge is really supposed to be. I think because because you kind of have a little bit of a interesting dynamic between uh, Hiyakimaru and Dororo. Dororo is the is the titular character, but he's not really the main character, really. It's not really his story. I, I've i never personally felt that. Yeah, it's pretty much Hiyakimaru's story, and uh, Dororo is kind of just a... His like, anchor, his support. Yeah, he's a, a narrative device to kind of expand upon how Hiyakimaru and, is dealing with becoming human. Yeah, and to be fair, Dororo is by no means an uninteresting character. No, I no, yeah, a lot yeah. Of, I'm having a lot of fun watching him. He's he's adorable, he's innocent, he's, like, and despite being a child orphan thief, he has, like, a sense of justice, and I think that's what a big thing about his character is. Like, he wants, he wants to get um, a revenge on the samurai. He wants to take things from the samurai because they took stuff from him. Like, he's referred to that constantly throughout the show. And Hiyakimaru is just kind of along for the ride and basically trying to get I get back what demons took from him. So there is an interesting sort of uh, parallel between those two characters. And the most recent episode was, oh, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Animation, MAPPA's done it again. Yeah, all the fights are kick-ass. Yeah. Uh, the sound design is really good, like the clinking of the swords and all the cuts and stuff. Yeah. And it's a really, like, novel approach to uh, to fighting, because he, because since he doesn't have any arms, he's got, like, hidden blade arms, and he'll usually, like, take off one of his hands and put the other hand in his mouth, mm. and that's, that's just a lot of fun to watch, but, uh, yeah, there's been, they've been a lot of really nice little, like, short vignettes. I think, mo- like, the first few episodes, like, we haven't really had, like, a, uh, we have only had, like, it's sort of like a Monster of the Week type show. Like, yeah, I think really the... The most recent arc was um, was a two-parter. I'm wondering if they're going to be more like uh, widespread from this point forward, like, or if they're just going to keep going with the Monster of the Week formula. I think it's going to be incorporating more about like uh, Hyakimaru's family, yeah, and his brother is probably going to get more spotlight. Oh yeah, yeah, that is definitely true. Yeah, I I'm having a lot of fun with this. Like animation and character design is really just fluid and nice to look at. The sound design, as you said, is on point. It's gorgeous. Sound the intro. Oh my oh, god, yeah. the intro. <laughs> That's one of my favorites this season. Yeah, it's sure. so visually it's so visually appealing and the song is pretty catchy. I mean it's just it's kind of like this weird blend of like kind of uh like old school like kind of like a feudal Japanese music and sort of like modern day like pop rock yeah. sort of deal. It's it's an interesting blend. Like I wasn't I wouldn't think normally that I'd like that, but it's it's a fascinating blend. They pull it off well. So I'd give this show like a eight and a half. Yeah, probably. I would give it a I would give it a strong eight eight and a half as well. Like again, visual direction has been great. The like the story's been engaging and fun to watch. The fight scenes are just a lot of fun. Not a whole lot more to say about it. So next up, we have JoJo Golden Wind. This this season so far has been really good, really fun. 
but it's definitely a lot more hand wavy with the stand mechanics than previous seasons have been, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like, how did you do that? That's how. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stand. I mean, I mean, and to be fair, to be fair, like uh, Araki has done like some kind of like hand wavy shit with stands in the past, and even with the ripple, like back when that was still a thing. Yeah. I mean, so I guess all the hand wavy stuff is nothing particularly new. Um, it, but, it felt like a lot more of Josuke's strategies were explained better. Yeah, I guess you could, and I guess I could agree with that to an extent. And I will say that I never, like, I've usually left most JoJo fights, even this season too, has, I've left most JoJo fights kind of satisfied and going, okay, that was pretty cool or that was pretty clever. Like, because that's kind of been Araki's sort of, like, uh, trick, like, each stand fight is supposed to be, like, a puzzle that our heroes have to solve. Like, how do they, like, solve said puzzle? Most of the time, the answers make sense, and in Golden Wind, there's no exception. Except one. <laughs> I, like... Snake Brick! Yeah, that was, that was, like... I usually am all pretty... Like, I'm okay with suspending most disbelief for the show, because it's so bizarre. It's so crazy. It's, it's JoJo. Yeah. Like, that's all... I mean, most people are using... There's only pretty... so far you can go, though. Yeah, I mean, and this, like, the snake brick with the man in the mirror fight, that was just a little bit, like, okay, what? Yeah. Just, but there have been some really cool fights, like the fight against Babyface, that was really cool, too. Yeah, the the show has always been stylish, and yeah. it, it continues to follow in that vein, for sure. It was and a lot of well, kick-ass fight scenes. Uh, I love the... I love the way the characters look. They're different this season. Yeah. Because in, in previous JoJo seasons, most characters were huge like yeah buffing a huge large yeah uh main characters uh diamonds and break was a little bit less of that but they still uh, yeah. had they still had like the frames pretty like, much like i mean yeah i mean joe like i would definitely say that uh okiyasu and josuke were uh definitely had more like lean muscle to them they were bigger they were kind of big guys but they were definitely leaner yeah but in this in this and they one, were still pretty like super skinny yeah they're like they are like even leaner muscle, and they basically like pose like fashion models and shit. Like, I mean, that's always been a thing. I mean, sure, but I'm si- but when you see Mista like lifting up his freaking uh, mid revealing shirt, just sort of while he's like, "I'll go with you," it's like, oh, okay. Where are the cameras at? <laughs> yeah, wh- where are the cameras at? <laughs> it's like watching an episode of The Office. They just look into the camera. <laughs> yeah, uh, this season so far, JoJo's probably been like a seven and a half for me. I would say about a seven and a half as well. Like I've had a lot of fun with this. Like I would have, I'd have had a lot of fun with this. Um, Man in the Mirror fight definitely put a just like okay, what the fuck was that <laughs> kind of feel. The outro, fucking outro. Oh my god, I'm so pissed that it's growing on me. I <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this recently, and like how you were saying, and how you were actually trying to justify it in your head, like how it's yeah. growing on you. And I'm like, are you sure you're just not Stockholmsing yeah, yourself? So it definitely sounds like you're, like. In this season, this like the characters are more you know lean. They're 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 more sensual. Yeah. Than the other than the other series when the characters are more manly. And yeah, they're definitely like because and it makes sense because as the times have changed, like uh, because the eighties was all about like hyper masculinity yeah. and like all, like big rippling muscles and all that stuff. Like, but here it's like I, since this takes place in the late nineties, I'm not sure exactly when Golden Wind was published, but. I would imagine, like, late 90s, early 2000s, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but this, but art ending, style has definitely changed. The ending, I was thinking, like, oh, maybe it fits a little better. But I, I, I'm actually, I, it's growing on me a lot. <laughs> Surprisingly more than I thought it would. Yeah. 
But, yeah, seven and a half. Uh, final verdict so far. So, uh, next up is Kaguya-sama, Love is War. Funniest show of the season, for sure. Yeah, we... Maybe the year, who knows. Yeah, we are starting on a high point in comedy. This is, like, comparable, I'd say, to last year's Hinamatsuri, in terms of, like, comedic timing. And A1 pulled out all the stops for this, and as we've said before, Love Detective Chica, (laughs) like... Love Detective Chica is like one of the most adorable it's, things ever. It's the biggest meme of this season, that's yeah. for sure. Chica is, and of course, like, we've had a hard time, like, we already have a really strong contender for Best Girl, I think, this year with uh, yeah. Chica Fujiwara. Like, she she just steals the show. Like, every like every scene she's in, like, for one, she's adorable. Two, she's incredibly memeable. And three, we're not entirely sure what she's a out like yeah, she's just uh, kind of a she's just kind of a wild card. I'm pretty sure that she is a lot smarter than she tries to yeah. act. Like she's only supposed to be like around like a middle level of her um uh, of her grade. Like like as for terms of academics and stuff like that. Which okay, that's fine. You have to still remember though. This is an elite school, and even somewhere in the middle, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. That's like exactly. smarter than average people. And also, there's a there's a difference between like. Wisdom and intelligence. Yeah, she... And I think she's definitely... And she's shown to be incredibly perceptive in some episodes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Apparently it's just like, oh, welcome to the We're Talking About Chica show now. (laughs) Yeah. So so there's other characters in the show. Yeah, let's... Um, There's a character we haven't seen yet who I'm hoping shows up very soon. Yeah, he might show up. From what I've heard, he's going to show up soon. Yeah. Um, From people who have read the original source material. Yeah. Um, the other, uh, the other two characters, like, there's... Oh, yeah, the main characters? Yeah, you know, <laughs> the ones that aren't, the ones that aren't Chica. Like, Chica is great, and she definitely steals the spotlight, but you gotta give special props to these two. They... So, so, the thing is, I don't think Chica would be able to stand out on her own. Oh, no, she, totally she, not. She wouldn't be, so, the, the main two driving forces of the show, Kaguya and Miyuki, uh, they just play off each other so well, yeah. and the narrator just rises it to even further ridiculousness. Yeah, like... My my thing with most uh, romance with most rom coms has always been like you could kind of like from watching like the first episode you can typically see the whole oh you know they're going to get together but they are going to spend like the next 12, 12 13, 24, 25, um, 150 if you're in Ayasha, <laughs> um, like say, basically asking this question will they won't they um, this is playing on that trope in a hilarious way because we both like the audience knows. That they like each other. I think they have an inkling they both like each other. They're both just trying to get the other person to confess who likes who first. Exactly. And that's, yeah. a, and that's a hilarious dynamic. Yeah, it's fantastic watching them play 4D chess. Yeah. Uh, over simple things like asking, who's going to ask you the other person to go to the movies? Or yeah. uh, who's going to have the other person pull out their umbrella? Yeah. The the level and the level of mental gymnastics some of these characters are just capable of, like Kaguya basically trying to convince herself, no, I don't really like him. Yeah. Like I, I've heard one peop like some people say it's like watching two Sundares trying to convince <laughs> yeah. each other, and it is pretty much like I'd wondered. I I remember thinking to myself, I wonder if there ever will be a show like where two Sundares are basically saying I don't like you, but they totally do. Well, I got my wish. They're caught in a loop. Yeah, <laughs> they're caught in a loop. They're it's no- not like I want to hang out with you. Well, it's not like I want to hang out with you. Okay, then we just it's won't hang out. It's not like I want to hang out with you. It's okay, so we just won't hang out. Okay, I didn't want to anyway. 
But yeah, this this series has just been an absolute treat to watch, mm-hmm. and they like pull out some of like the best animation. Like anime, like in a show like this, you don't ex- typically expect there to be like particularly high quality animation. Yeah, it's a comedy show. But yeah, but just like with Hinamatsuri, they kind of pull out the stops to like really like increase the quality of animation to make certain jokes just land like perfect bullseyes. Mm-hmm. Like in an episode last week that we talked about, like where volleyball Miyuki, yeah, where yeah. Miyuki <laughs> can't hit a freaking volleyball. Like the amount of detail like, they put into him, like hitting the ground and rolling. It's just was absolutely fantastic to watch. I, I, I'm going to give the show uh, a mid season review of nine. It might go up. It probably will go up. <laughs> I will. I have said, like, I've definitely been thinking, I've been thinking eight and a half strong nine because I have not, there hasn't been, like, a, a week where I have not been, like, absolutely just enthralled and entertained yeah, yeah, by yeah, the like show. It's my favorite thing to watch every week. Yeah, it's definitely one of mine. So next up on our list is Magnificent Kotobuki. It's yeah. the the girls in airplanes show this season that's good. Yeah, cute, girl, <laughs> cute girls doing cute airplane sh- things. Because uh, I've seen the first episode of Girly Air Force, mm. and from what I've heard, it does not get any better. Yeah, <laughs> this... Uh, this this series though, like a lot of people have been like like in the past, it's like oh, like three D shows are typically so bad. Ooh, why are we even watching it? I I like the three D in this show. It's yeah, handled incredibly well. Some of the best facial expressions I've seen in CG ever. Yeah, yeah, that's I agree with that statement one hundred percent. My one of my favorite three D CG things is uh, the Naruto Ultimate Ninja. I, I don't know. It's the uh, like the newer ones, the newer yeah, 3D yeah. ones. They do Bandai Namco does so well, or the studio that makes the game does so well, putting like faces on 3D models, and this mm. show kind of catches that same style. And also, just like uh, the fact that they use like first person views and like 3D, it really kind of adds like a lot of weight and impact to the uh, to the dog fighting. Mm. Because while one of the show's major strong suits is the uh, is the character banter, which is always just delightful to watch, it's the chemistry is just like in the back and forth. It's just so snappy. Yeah, like, they seem like characters that have known each other for a long time. Yeah, like they don't like there aren't any. It's like like some people like I thought when I first saw this I was like wow they're talking like really fast. There's like hardly any like time for pauses. But at the same time, that just kind of adds to like the uh, the witty banter here. Yeah, and it's like usually pretty fun to listen to. Like I usually am just like wow that if this is a lot. I'm like find myself like chuckling or laughing or. Or just completely enthralled when they're in dog fights. Yeah, I did not expect a show with such like cute girl designs to have such intricate dog fighting. Yeah, but, like they, they they have a lot of realistic maneuvers. Some of them are over exaggerated. Yeah, because of it's an anime and that's going to happen. Uh, but just a lot, of, a lot of the way they handle the planes is pretty realistic looking. Yeah, um, one of the one of the cooler segments last week was uh, was Zara like flying a ride and like. Straight up, yeah, yeah. The 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 weight behind it and all the like the shaking and the noise. Is yeah, they they handle like first person and like the whole and I think the three D models really just kind of uh, help catch that. One complaint: Why do they have to keep switching between two D and three D? Yeah, they they've been doing that less so recently, but it's like whenever it happens, it's obviously apparent and yeah. it's really jarring. Kind of yeah. takes you out of it for a second. It's like, wait, what? I mean. I'd be okay with this if this was a fully 2D show. I'd be probably be okay with this if it was a fully 3D show. Yeah. It's just, pick one. Yeah, they, they from what I've seen, they use the 2D a lot. 
when there's characters that aren't moving a lot. Yeah. Uh, probably because it's easier on them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, far be it for me to judge someone on the plights of animating a show. Mm-hmm. But it just, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's jarring. Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're going to this style. But, I mean... It's sort of like it's sort of like watching an episode of Monogatari, but whereas that's actually intentional and kind of just supposed to like add to the quirkiness, this just feels like a little bit of like I'm not entirely sure why we're doing this. Yeah, uh, that's a minor complaint, though. Yeah, like, I mean that's that's definitely a very minor gripe. The everything else about the show is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I. I wish I loved anything as much as Akilie uh, loves pancakes. Yeah, or freaking Chica. <laughs> There's two characters named Chica this season. Uh, likes freaking curry udon. Well, the, wait a second. I actually do like curry udon yeah. that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, if if you're into cute girls, uh, you like this show. If you're into dog fighting, you'll probably also like this show. Yeah, it's, if you like both, you'll like it even more. Yeah, it's like. It's like a club. It's like a club anime, except with actual just. The club just happens to be, like, an Air Force squadron. Yeah. Uh, the stakes is another thing I want to talk about. They're not, like, there's there's not a lot of really high stakes, because it's a very light-hearted show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said before, like, some people might have died, but they were, it was never on screen. Like, yeah. whenever, usually whenever somebody gets blown down, they eject out of their plane. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it, and that's what makes it good, in my opinion. If the show tried to take itself more seriously and more dark, it could, it could be good. Mm-hmm. But I think it's doing really well, just play, uh, putting itself off as a a very fun show. Yeah, and that's that's what it is. It's just a lot of fun. It's not it's not like a masterpiece. It's as, it's not one of those things that really like gets you thinking and stuff like that. But it's entertaining to watch, and it's certainly engaging. Like I'm having a I'm just having a really good time watching it. Yeah. So uh, I, I'd have to give it like a, a seven. I yeah, I give it probably a seven, seven and a half, maybe if I'm being super generous. But so because yeah. I'm really liking this show. So next up is Mob Psycho 102. A.K.A. Bone, AKA bone Splooge with freaking uh, with a freaking Hiroaka budget. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. They just take all the money they earn from Hiroaka. Yeah, exactly. It's just... It's like Sunshine with their idols funding Gundam thing. <laughs> you mean Sunrise? Sunrise, yeah. Not yeah. Sunshine. <laughs> uh, sorry, Sunshine is an idol thing. Yeah, that's... A love live show. But uh, Mob Psycho 100 is, I mean, if you liked the last season, you're going to like it this season. Uh, for any reason you have never seen Mob Psycho 100, uh, it's a fun journey. Or, not really, it is fun, but it's a it's a journey for a, a boy who has psychic powers that is trying to live a life just as a person. Yeah, he just wants to be normal. Yeah. Like, he wants friends. Yeah, I think that, uh, and it's from the same creator of uh, One Punch Man. Like, same author and everything, which I find that really interesting, because they're they're two very similar but different stories, because One Punch Man is all about a guy who was normal, for the most part, who worked himself to, like, basically these godlike powers, and now he's just kind of looking back and going, well, now what do I do? Like, meanwhile, this is some... Meanwhile, we have somebody in Mob Psycho 100 who was born incredibly gifted, and is just wanting to just be a normal person. So that I just find those those two dynamics really interesting. Like and it's pretty cool that they're written by the same guy. Yeah, it's it's very fun to watch. I love seeing like Mob's uh, interactions with everything because when I first saw Mob, like the character design for Mob, I thought it was going to be just kind of like this boring overpowered character who'd come in and mop everything up. Mm-hmm. But uh there's so many times where he doesn't show a lot of emotion, but when he does, it's very apparent. Yeah. And, and you really feel for him. 
like whenever he's encouraged by uh, Reagan or like the Body Improvement Club, you just see his face light up for like a small amount of time. He yeah, looks so, he looks so happy, and I'm so happy for him. Yeah, Mob, Mob, and just a lot of the characters really are all just really memorable. Like Ritsu is a lot of is a lot of fun to watch too. His younger brother because like they're because it's really cool that. Uh, Despite the fact that Ritsu is definitely the one who's more popular, who's, like, athletic, who's good-looking, all this stuff, he still looks up to his older brother. And that's a really cool dynamic. Like, they're both, him and, like, Shigeo, a.k.a. Mob, and Ritsu are just both good boys, and you just Mm -hmm. want to see them, (laughs) you just want to both see them both just uh, turn out successful and stuff. And we also, we have Reagan, who is easily one of the most entertaining parts about this show. Yeah, he, he's a con man. But also not. <laughs> yeah, he's like. Don't get us wrong. He's still he's still a pretty scummy person at yeah. times. Like he's definitely okay. Maybe not scummy. He's definitely sleazy though. Like he's definitely underhanded and sort of shady. Like just and like even they acknowledge that a couple times. Like like his freaking web page, which is all like bright and flashy and stuff. Speaking of which like Crunchyroll posted an actual web page mm-hmm. of a, like a Reagan's website. Oh you yeah, can, you can go on it and click around. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's yeah, that's cool awesome. Again. But yeah, Reagan is easily one of the most entertaining parts about this show. And this, I, I love seeing all of his special moves, which, which literally involve either punching or kicking somebody. Yeah, or elbow dropping, or just <laughs> basically. And again, Reagan is a man of many talents. He's a very good, he's apparently good at martial arts, and is apparently also a very good masseur. He's also good at masseur. Uh, yeah, is that a word? Yeah, masseur. It's the female. It's the male. Um, it's the male equivalent of masseuse. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a masseur. <laughs> I learned a thing today. Yes, we we learn things on this show. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with this. And one of the most recent episodes had, like, some of the best damn animation um, I think yeah, I'd yeah, seen. We, we already we, talked about yeah, that. Yeah, we, we gushed about that it already. So it was so good. Um, so this is getting a, this is getting an eight and a half nine from me. Yeah, I, I gotta go with an eight and a half. Yeah. It's just an incredibly entertaining, just very fun. Also, that fucking OP. Yeah, Jesus, I love yeah. Mob Choir. Yeah, Mob Choir. They're they're like hired specifically for this anime. Yeah, there's a group not? that was formed. I don't know all the details, but I know it was a group formed specifically to do the OPs for the first and second season. Which that's just really cool because I loved uh, ninety nine, which was yeah. the opening to the first season, and then ninety nine point nine, the OP here is just still very catchy and so visually appealing. Next up, Wholesome Garfield, pretty much, a.k.a. My Roommate is a Cat. Let me just say, I'm glad they changed the title from of this. Oh yeah, it's super long. Because, what if the actual title, like, My Roommate is on my lap, but also sometimes my head or something yeah. like that? Just, not, it doesn't make a good title in English. It, it sounds like a visual novel. It sounds like a freaking, uh, not visual novel, like, light novel title. Like, yeah. uh, the most clumsy one being the full title for World End. You know what that is, right? Yeah. Okay, it is... What are you doing at the end of the world? Can you save us? Well, I don't remember the rest of it even. It's just very clumsy. Are you busy? Will you save us? That is the full title. It's And most people just shorthand it to World End because why not? So this is a show for me that started off kind of on a rough note because it starts off with a funeral scene, kind of forced sad feelings. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of that. And also, the I, I don't like the half and half episodes where... It takes, like, here's half an episode, and also here's the other half from another, another perspective. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's bad, because a lot of people do like that. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't hit the right note for me. I think the show flows a lot better when it's 
if it went like back and forth or it just played the whole thing out. Yeah. But interweaving the cat's perspective. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Like I personally I personally do like seeing thing like new things from the cat's perspective. So long as we don't see like the same episode essentially twice. That's kind of what like the first episode did. Mostly. Yeah, like, I like seeing, like, new things from uh, Haru, the cat's perspective, because those are all, they're always really adorable, and, mm-hmm. uh, the, the design for this cat, it's the most anime cat yeah. ever. <laughs> like, just look at that face. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really sweet so yeah. far, like, seeing the main character, Subaru, kind of just coming out of the shell a little bit more because of this cat, and, and there's a lot of circumstances where he's meeting more people, kind of interacting a little bit more yeah. because he has Haru around. Yeah, as I've said, as I've said a couple times, that this very much is like the anime equivalent of uh, Because of Win Dixie, which was a great child, which is a great childhood book and a not bad movie actually. I remember liking the movie. This and this series is just wholesome and enjoyable and cute. Uh, my one complaint so far is that the show seems to be losing a little bit of focus sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the beginning of the series started out with the premise of Subaru is an aspiring author. No, I think he's actually an already published author. Yeah, yeah, he is a published author. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's been working on his writing and he's having problems with it. Yeah. So he finds the cat, uh, gets inspiration to write new stories. Uh, but that was like the first and second episode and we haven't really heard anything about him writing at all since then. Like, his, his, uh, his editors come over, mm-hmm. talk to him, but it's mostly just to talk about the cat. At least what we see on screen. Uh, I just felt like him being an author was a narrative uh, tool like, to, yeah. get, to just get us on to the point where he has the cat. Yeah. Which, which as long as they kind of tie in more about it, because we've actually saw this a little bit in the most recent episode where um, uh, where we find out that the, uh, that the lady he likes and interacts with is, all, is reading his new book. And he's basically, and it seems like he's still very shy about becoming, like, publicly known. Like, because I think that's another big thing. Like, he's definitely one of those authors that we, that they don't really see his face or anything. Like, I'm pretty sure he's just elusive. Like, maybe they're a mystery author. Yeah, he probably has a pen name. Yeah, probably a pen name, probably in his About the Author section. It's probably just a blank portrait or something. But I'm interested to see, like, if they tie more into that. Because I agree with you. Like... They are. They did kind of focus more on just him interacting with people recently, which is fine. The interactions and stuff with these new characters has been a lot of fun to yeah, watch. Yeah, the character interaction is definitely a favorite part of the of the show. Like seeing Subaru awkwardly interact with everyone. Yeah, seeing Haru uh, interact with all the other animals, trying trying uh, her best to be like, I'm not scared of anything. I'm a big fierce tiger. Yeah, and and then of course the most wholesome. And then, of course, the most wholesome doggo ever. Like, yeah. Good old boy. Yeah, he, he he was such a good boy. I love that scene. Uh, like, but but this the the start of the show seemed like it kind of stumbled into what it really wanted to be about. Which, yeah, which was the character interactions, and in, I'm liking it a lot more at this point. And I'm it just keeps getting better for me this season. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that this series could have easily been improved had they kind of eased you in a little bit more into a Subaru's backstory. Why you so I shall isolationistic and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, rather than starting us off with a funeral. Yeah, because 99% of the times, I just don't like flashbacks. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're necessary to tell a good story. I don't think they're necessary to tell someone's past. Uh, I think you can tell... Someone, you, you can explain or tell someone's past through things that are happening in the current events. Yeah. Like, maybe have 
Uh, instead of showing uh, his you know funeral in the background, he could have had like a shrine mm-hmm. to his parents in the house that he goes and prays to, and they don't like talk about it a lot. It's just when when it's there, you know. Most people aren't stupid. Most people can pick up on these things, and I just, I just don't like flashbacks. It's, yeah, it's one of that. Like, and I'll, I'm usually okay. I'm usually pretty forgiving with flashbacks, and flashbacks are definitely one of those things that I can always say, like, there are good ways to do them and bad ways to do them, and I just think that uh, that anime, just as a medium, has a has an abundance of them. Like, we rely on flashbacks so often in mm-hmm. the anime. I think because they're like they're usually quick. They're usually relatively quick, easy ways to introduce you to a character's backstory, which, I mean, which, again, they can be executed well, just uh, quite often they're not. And I think that, I think that this uh, series' first episode kind of suffered with that. But mm. it's definitely picked up as it's progressed. Yeah, yeah. I'll, the the little complaints aside, I am having a blast with this show now. I'd probably give it like a, like a six and a half, seven. Mm. I'd give it a seven, seven and a half, actually. Like, I've liked the show probably since day one. Like, I think it's just such a cute concept. And, like, I grew up, like, reading Garfield and stuff like that, so I was always kind of fascinated by this perspective. And, again, it's cool to see, like, a a cat that isn't a complete asshole. Like, because Haru, I mean, yeah, she's a cat, she's kind of a dick, but at the same time, it's not like Garfield who's just out to make his owner suffer. Yeah. So next up, uh, next up we got the Price of Smiles, which uh, yeah, not getting not getting very good reviews across the community. I I don't understand why. Yeah, it's like it, I like it's got like a sixty six on Kitsu at the moment. Like a lot of people, I think a lot of people's initial complaints is they that the first episode was like too uh, exposition info dumpy, which I personally didn't see that like. Like, we watched the episodes twice. Like, I didn't feel like they were, like, kind of, like, uh, front-ended a bunch of information in, like, the first couple episodes. Like, there might have been some, but I certainly didn't notice it and didn't have any major problems with it. Yeah, and I'm really liking the show so far. It's an interesting kind of commentary between back and forth on both sides of a war. Yeah. I know, like, there's no good or bad side. Yeah. There's obviously, like, good or bad people in Mm -hmm. this war. The the fighting is cool. Like the the robot and robot CG animation is pretty. Yeah, cool. it's it's like buttery smooth. Yeah, uh, but uh, but it's mostly just seeing uh, Yuki kind of come to terms with what war what war really means. Yeah, seeing like this kind of sheltered innocent person like slowly start to realize like the world around her and realize like how like how scary it can be at times, but still wanting but still wanting to give like the best for her people and herself. I think that the unfortunate thing is she's still young and still very naive and seems to think that, uh, that, like, quick, easy solutions are probably going to work. They're not. And yeah, I'm, you have to work for it. And I'm fascinated by that. It's interesting seeing a character who's actually, who actually is still quite young and has actually still got plenty of time to grow. And it's fascinating seeing, like, the gradual transformation of this character. Like, I'm liking it. Like, I had problems, like, obviously, yeah, like, some of her decisions are like, alright, that's not gonna work, but at the same time, it kind of makes sense, because she's 12. Yeah, the her making decisions that don't make sense to us as adults, it, it just works because all the characters around her point out that it's a stupid idea a lot of the time. Or they actively defy her at yeah. times. Um, so, going over to Stella uh, is another really interesting part of the show, because... 
the squad she's in, they're not super familiar with, with each other, you can tell. Mm-hmm. Because there's been a lot of times where they'd have to switch out people because people have died. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they still work together. And then the main focus in that part of the story is that Stella is kind of... She, she's trying to smile through everything when mm-hmm. that's not exactly always the most always the healthiest thing to do you know going back to the title of the show the price of smiles yeah like and that's the whole thing like it's an interesting dynamic because yuki wants to create a kingdom or a a world where everybody can smile and be happy meanwhile stella has basically used that used that as a mask to force how she truly feels and it's interesting seeing those kind of opposing ideologies and it's going to be interesting like seeing like like, how these characters, like, kind of come to an understanding between each other and, like, hopefully start to repair some of the damage that uh, both the Empire the Empire and the Kingdom have both done. Like, it's fascinating to watch. Like, and I'm... Like, I don't understand necessarily why it's so poorly reviewed. I mean, I guess if you go by, like, six and a half, still only being, like, a above-average show, it still is just, like... I don't understand why. Me, personally, I'd give this a seven and a half... Maybe a seven. Yeah, uh, I'd give it a seven. Yeah, uh, it's the thing is, it's it's about halfway through. Oh, it's exactly halfway through uh, this series so far, and we haven't really gotten to a point where it, the opening really plays up the interaction between Yuki and Stella. Yeah, I'm worried that that's not going to happen soon enough, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't, then it's going to feel rushed at the end. Yeah. So yeah, for now, seven. Uh, depending on the ending, might go up and down. So, next up, Promise Neverland, the other show this season yeah. that Rex and I have been, like, just itching every week to see. It's, it is so good. It's so, uh, yeah, what's the word? Suspenseful. Suspenseful, yeah. It's yeah. Just, like, every scene, I'm worried about what's going to happen next, because, like, we've seen a kid die already. Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty sure at least another kid is going to die by the end of this series. Like, yeah, and I'm imagining that they're that this is only going to be like a part one sort of deal. Like, I imagine Cloverworks, which, if you don't remember, were the uh, studio that was behind uh, Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, actually. They have done very well for themselves here. Yeah, it's... So, I don't want to spoil too much mm-hmm. if anyone hasn't seen the show so far. Because uh, a, lot of, a lot of shit happens, uh, but the the horrific faces on yeah. everyone are just so good. Yeah, just some of the some of the faces, like the facial expressions and the animation. Like it's been a while since I have been like this engrossed in a horror series. Like, like I enjoy. Like for instance, like last summer, like we watched a Happy Sugar Life, and I consider that a horror suspense deal. Yeah. And while I thought that was a very fun show, like I wasn't fun. Or, Are you considering that fun? <laughs> I'm a sadist. It was fun to watch, maybe, yeah. but it wasn't fun. It was... <laughs> nobody meant, had fun in that show. I meant it, it was... It was horrible for everyone! I meant it was fun to watch. Jeez. <laughs> Don't put your panties in a twist. Anyway. I While that was a fun show to watch, I was not on the edge of my seat, like, the whole time, like, just worried about, like, what was gonna happen next. Yeah, it, it, like Because, well, in that show, you're dealing with the horrible person being the protagonist. And, mm-hmm. and in this show, you are you can sympathize a lot more with the protagonists of not wanting to be, you know, processed into ground beef. Yeah, exactly. For rich people. Yeah, I, like, and I will say this, it is such, and I mean such a breath of fresh air to see smart protagonists in a horror series. 
because I like in most the biggest problem with most horror series, like most horror movies, is the is the protagonists are fucking stupid running through a forest. Oh no, a branch! <laughs> I tripped on the branch! Which, okay, I I can sympathize with that with some things a little bit. Because when you're panicking, you're not going to be thinking clearly. Fine, I can get that. But more often than not, characters make the literal stupidest decisions I think I've ever seen. Like, And it just kind of really takes you out of it. And the thing about it here is the protagonists here are smart. Like, ridiculously smart. Yeah, it's. I think it helps a lot that they are kids. Yeah. Because, let's, like, for example, if an adult were to learn all this all of a sudden, like, adults have a lot more experiences to call upon, mm-hmm. which might help figuring things out, but it's also going to cause a lot more stress, because yeah. you're, you know, you're, you're not as young and full of wonder mm-hmm. like, as kids are, so yeah. it's a lot and easier for kids to just kind of roll things off. Yeah, but then at the same time, but at the same time, when you that kind of like happy, innocent world is just kind of flipped upside down, it that wonder turns like to terror very quickly. And this series does an a, a amazing job like capturing that terror. I think, and I think that the kind of going back into the intelligence of the protagonists, it makes the their defeats and losses when they eventually do happen feel that much more like potent because. When a stupid person does something stupid, you're just like, okay, that did something stupid. Like, obviously this could have been prevented, but they're idiots, so they didn't actually yeah. do it. So when characters, so when a smart character is outsmarted by somebody else because, like, they overlooked something accidentally, it feels that much more tragic because it's just like this was something they didn't account for. Didn't it feels very for. earned yeah. from an author's perspective. Exactly. And this show is an absolute delight to watch yeah. every week i I'm, i i give the show like a nine and a half yeah maybe oh, nine yeah nine, i would nine, say nine nine and a half because like the camera angles the facial expressions one of the more effective jump scares i'd actually seen in an anime there was no stinger or anything all of a sudden just boom the character's yeah. there it's like oh god that was unsettling uh Uberworld made a kick-ass OP yeah. for it i now, it doesn't really feel in flavor with the show yeah because the show is like uh, very suspenseful and horror, and the opening is just like fucking kick ass. Like, yeah, they're doing parkour. Yeah, <laughs> kick ass guitar. Yeah, I like. I'll agree with that, but at the same time, I think that considering like the theme of the show, wanting to break free and wanting to escape, that kind of makes sense. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, again, I think the I think a good OP just wants to also capture just the themes of the show, which I think this that does perfectly. Well, maybe not perfectly, but very well. So next up, uh, we got the quintessential quintuplets, which is turning out to be a much more wholesome show than I was expecting. Yeah, like, uh, this was actually a show that Rex and I were prepared to write off because we were like, oh, this sounds like schlocky harem garbage yeah. once again. We were just kind of, we just kind of saw it, saw the PV, just kind of rolled our eyes. It was like, okay, the twist is that there's five sisters, woo. Yeah, um, that's five times the pussy. But, <laughs> but the, this show definitely... I mean, definitely proved to me like that. Just like a like a series can have a terrible description, but actually be an incredibly good watch. Yeah, the the focus on this show is mainly the relationship between the five sisters and how yeah. how they're kind of growing together as a family. Yeah, uh, with like Uesugi's tutelage 
he, he's he, he was hired on to be a tutor for them for academic reasons, but he's because helping them through... because they're fucking clods. Yeah, let's, they're, just, they're, let's not mince words. They're, they're dumb idiots. broads. Yeah, they're idiots. <laughs> uh, but he's helping them through school, but he's also like kind of just being around them and helping them out through different life situations. Too. Exactly. Like I mean, as like as any good like kind of harem show will do. Like they kind of get you invested in like a protect. Like it's not a good harem series that the protagonist, like the one that you're following, is not interesting too. Because it's like the girls can be amazing, they can be great. But if the but if the main character is just a piece of cardboard, like Yeah, the thing a lot of people when a lot of uh directors make a mistake when they're writing harem shows is that they just try to copy paste what happens in visual novels. Mm-hmm. In visual novels you can get away with making a cardboard protagonist because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to put your... like The the player is supposed to put themselves in the shoes of the protagonist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in an anime, that does not work. No, it doesn't. Then that... you just have a piece of cardboard talking to girls, and it's not engaging at all whatsoever. Yeah, no, it is... It's very boring. And this is an... And this is an example of a harem protagonist who's relatable, like, who has motivations, like, other than, oh, these girls are hot. Like, he actually... And then he even questions why... Like one of the one of the key things in most harem series, like the plucky protagonist who's helping yeah. the girls out through their issues, because even some of the best ones have that problem. Like, uh, like Canon Clanad, it's like the main characters. Like both of those are great protagonists, Tomoya and the main character from uh, from Canon. Like really fun to watch. Only problem is, why does he see it necessary to put himself like into these situations and help all the girls? Yeah, it's. The story kind of leans... It definitely follows the visual novel um, flow. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, one guy helps a bunch of girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it definitely does feel more along the lines of, I'm helping them because I just want to help them. And Which isn't bad. I mean, no, no, it works well because we understand that he does want to do that. Yeah. Like, he's just a, he's a nice guy. But getting back to the quintessential quintuplets, it's originally about money. Yeah. Uh, but as he's kind of getting to know the girls more, I think he's probably realizing that, like, since he has a sister that he's trying to take care of, and they're all sisters. Yeah. Like, he wants them to kind of... He, he wants them to get together and, you know, be happy together. Yeah. And and it's very rare that we actually see, like, a, um, a, a harem series where they actually show... It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, in case you didn't know, he's going to get together with one of them <laughs> yeah. in the end. It's like, it's how I met your mother. Yeah. The, the intro. Except, like, and I think they're trying to be coy and trying to play it off like, um... Uh, like who? Oh, who's he gonna end up with? But yeah, I don't know. And maybe they could pull a fast one on me. But like, I'm, I'm all of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced it's gonna be Itsuki because usually in shows like this, it's almost always the first girl yeah. that the protagonist interacts with. Like that's usually the main character. That's like usually the the main path. Everyone on the internet is talking about how uh, Miku is best girl. Yeah, I agree. It's the, it's the Rem effect. It's, yeah. You have one girl who does something really nice, and that's the only thing you see. So you're like, oh, she's the best girl. Mm-hmm. We have still have another half a season to for the other girls to show off. Uh, so, so maybe, you know, opinions will change. Mm-hmm. But, but for, I mean, I'm sticking with Yotsuba. Yeah. Because she is adorable. <laughs> and yeah. she's kind of dumb. Yeah, I, <laughs> I uh, kind of. She's probably the dumbest one of them. And that's saying a lot, because they're all pretty stupid at times. But uh, I I actually am definitely in the Miku camp. I just like Miku. I think she's adorable. I think she's... I like her... 
I like her shyness and I like seeing her like slowly like open up. I so for me, I'm gonna give this show like seven and a half, eight. Yeah, I give it seven and a half for now. Yep. It's a uh, yeah wholesome harem <laughs> tagline. Right. TM. Yeah. Deep. I'm pretty sure that was originally a mother's basement thing, but whatever. So next so trademarking tra- things? <laughs> no, I'm trademark whatever the fuck I want to. Pay <laughs> <Under> my taxes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. But next up, Rising of the Shield Hero. I. I was not expecting like an is- the isekai to just go that dark from the first episode. Oh yeah, yeah, the first episode. Ah, oh, boy, I'm gonna t- peril a world. I can't wait to save the world. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up, rapist! <Yeah. laughs> like, I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like ReZero in a lot of respects, actually, yeah. where it's an isekai show with a kind of a darker twist to it, subverting expectations. Which I, again, I'm pretty cool with because I absolutely adored ReZero. Like, and this gives me, this kind of fill, fills a similar itch until we get a second season of ReZero, damn it. Yeah, uh, well, this, this show has slowly been turning into Spice and Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I Spice actually, and Raccoon. Yeah, Spice and Raccoon. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, recently he's, like, he's been working his way up uh, by helping people and going around and trading things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's, he's essentially a trader now. Part-time hero, part-time trader. Yeah, <laughs> I I will say this. I thought that was a super novel concept for uh, for a character to, like in an isekai show to basically be like Kraft Lawrence from Spice and Wolf. I mean, I hadn't I hadn't really considered that before, but I just thought it was a really cool concept because it's like, huh? I mean, usually you see them as like the omnipotent badass who's going to go in and save the day and overpower like literally every trial. It's kind of fascinating and a little bit refreshing to just see him. Uh, like, it's like, oh, I'm a traitor now, I guess. Yeah, because he doesn't have the raw, like, destructive power that all the other heroes have. Yeah. He has to be so creative with his abilities. Uh, and the fact that he had such a shitty reputation to begin with means that he has to go and work that much harder to mm-hmm. connect with people. Which is really cool because he's you see the fruits of his labor paying off when people you know, be like, hey, we heard you helped the, this village have a discount. Or yeah. Or talk to this person and they'll like you too. So it's just slowly people coming to terms with the fact that... Maybe he isn't a rapist. Yeah, I think it's I think it's ab- just really cool, like that what they're doing with this character and how they're um uh, and how they really are subverting expectations here. And I think that the show, like the title "Rising of the Shield Hero," is very fitting because it's him literally going from pretty much rock bottom mm-hmm. to actually being like hope. I don't ever imagine he's going to be like the most popular hero ever, but. For whatever reason, it just seems like the entire world is trying to keep him down. Or at least, like, the nobility and stuff, as far as we can tell. But enough about all that stupid, boring talk. Yeah. Let's talk about best girls! Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> best girls. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Raptalia, a.k.a. Raccoon Dog Lolly, who eventually becomes Raccoon Dog, Raccoon Dog Girl, and then... Raccoon Dog Woman? Yeah, and then... And then Raccoon Dog Lady. Oh yes. Yeah, she's a she becomes a very attractive um, lady. And then we have a Chicken Lolly. Yeah. How how attractive is this Chicken Lolly? <laughs> yeah. Speak right here into the microphone in my shirt. <laughs> no. Um, Philo is no doubt about it. She's adorable. Yeah. She's, she's she is precious and she, she must be protected. She needs she needs all the head pats. Mm-hmm. But she's a uh, she is a chocobo. Like, like they, they call them like filials. Yeah, I think like it, it's just a fucking chocobo. It, it's a chocobo. 
Like, and we even brought that up. It's like they're trying to call it something else. It's like, no, it's a fucking chocobo. Look at it. Look yeah. at it. It's like it's running around. It's pulling carts. It's a chocobo. Like, there's no other way around it. Yeah, two two more strong contenders for for best girl of the season. Yeah, don't think they're quite going to beat Chica. I, I don't me, think so either. But uh, like, yeah, uh, but for. The, so far this season, I'd probably have to give this show like an eight and a half. Uh, yeah, I'd give it an eight, eight and a half too, because because again, like with some like um like some really questionable character decisions, Raftalia, why did you have to get a slave crest again? You didn't need <laughs> you didn't need to do that. Yeah, it could have just got a normal tattoo without magical slavery powers. Yeah, exactly. It just. It's like, that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. At least at the same time, it did have one of the better. Uh, it did have one of the better moments, like, from the most recent episode. We'll talk about that in the next episode of the podcast, so hang on to that. But yeah, eight, eight, eight and a half for me. So last up? Uh, last up we got uh, Run With The Wind. It's just continued to be good sports anime. Yeah, I had a blast with it last season, I'm having a blast with it this season. I, I have a hard time finding a lot of stuff to talk about this show because... It's so simple. Like, it's, yeah. The main plot of the show is running. Yeah. It, it's fascinating to watch, but there's not a lot to say about it. Um, I guess we we talk a lot about the, the character interactions. Yeah, the character interactions, like the character's personal struggles. That's usually the thing about the show, because, like, really, these these types of shows are typically character dramas. And, exactly, like, yeah. they're more character dramas with kind of, like, the sport as, like, the backdrop and serving as the vessel to explore characters. Yeah. So we have... Haiji, which is kind of this enigma uh, of a leader trying to slowly push everyone along to figure out what the meaning of running is. That, that's that, his main goal. And it's like in something he's not entirely sure of what it means either. That's something he is also trying to figure out, which I think is also really cool because mm-hmm. like, like, because like we see, we see at least in the shows, like there's always that character who has everything figured out, like pretty much in shows like this, like they automatically know, but here it's like we've got someone who's like in his like mid to late 20s because they're they're college students so okay for one thing that's a change of pace <laughs> yeah, exactly for most sports shows it's mo- usually high schoolers yeah but yeah so here we actually have college students and they're it's actually really cool like seeing them try to figure out just life going forward exactly yeah the 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 hakuna ekiden is is more of a backdrop uh most of the time because mm-hmm. they're, they're training a lot of the time and that's shown a lot on screen but a lot of the driving force is each person trying to figure out their individual problems. Like mm-hmm. for 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 Prince, you got him just trying to actually struggle with any sort of physical motivation whatsoever. And then you have like King, who he's in the background. You see him constantly struggling to find a career, a, yeah. a job. What exactly does he want to do? Mm-hmm. You've got... Uh... You've got Yuki, who's got, like, family troubles and stuff like that. Yeah, just everyone has interesting, like, like background drama. Mm-hmm. And it's usually just brought together, and it's usually brought together by the, just the idea of running in this race. Which, with, the, the running itself, fantastic. Like, it's not fancy. Well, it is sometimes. Yeah. And they use a lot of visual storytelling where, for, like, representations. Like, when, when a lot of the time when Haiji sees, sees Kakuru running... Uh, it, it turns like everything turns black, and Kakaru shines like bright, bright blue. Yeah, Cause, exactly. Because to to Haiji, Kakaru looks like this kind of godly, perfect running form. Yeah, exactly. Just like some like some ephemeral like thing that he's trying to chase. But at the same time, he's also acknowledged that Kakaru himself is not a perfect person. Mm-hmm. Which 
I thought was also really cool. Yeah, uh, another thing I want to bring up is is that everyone uh, supports everyone else. Like, yeah. When, when someone has a problem, everyone else usually tries to step in to help them figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, like for example, when Kakaru was having problems with... Uh, What's his Sakaki? name? Sakaki? Sakaki, yeah. Whenever Sakaki shows up and tries to, like, bait him. Yeah. Everyone else was... usually steps forward to kind of yeah. not only hold Kakaru back, but kind of prop him up. Yeah, exactly. Put him back on the straight and narrow. Because mm-hmm. Kakaru is, I think he's actually the youngest person on that team. Like, I'm pretty sure he is. I'm pretty sure he's the only freshman. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and everybody else is older than him. So, like, he's basically, he's still got a lot of growing to do and a lot of learning to do. But he's been making really good progress so far. Everyone in the show has made such good progress. I think one of the best episodes was seeing Prince actually make it this season. Yeah. <laughs> make like, the make the time. Yeah. Like I in shows like this, you typically have an idea it's like, oh, the main characters are probably going to succeed, like all that good stuff. Like it's a sports anime. Typically you think, alright, the main character is going to succeed. There's probably not gonna be too much worse for wear at the end of it. But this show is gives you just enough doubt to where it's like Maybe they won't. Yeah, that's a really good writing style of you never want to you never want to know what's going to happen because yeah. then everything becomes predictable and you know, everything becomes boring. Yeah, uh, in this situation, or this show definitely does a good job of not doing that. And I uh, think we, we have another like five, yeah, five episodes, yeah, something like five that. or six episodes, and they just got to the Hakone Akiden. Yep, they made the qual, they made the qualifier. So it's not going to be. I doubt it's going to be like. Five to six episodes of them doing the actual race. Yeah, I think the uh, I think that the overall like theme of this show is more to just point out that it's definitely the the journey, not so much the destination. Like because I think that's ultimately what Haiji's going to realize at the end too. Like he and I think he even said that it's just going to be a good experience for everyone to run. I don't think he expects to win. I don't expect. Yeah, I, I don't expect. Yeah, team. I don't think they're going to win either. Yeah, I would be. I think I'd be a little disappointed if they win because it yeah. doesn't feel like they've earned it. Yeah, they're maybe. not like they're. I love all of the characters, but they're not good enough to win, in my opinion. Yeah, and they've all got as a team, anyways. Yeah, like they all like they've all certainly improved. And yeah, and they're better. really good at running, but like compared hell. to like the top people, they're not even close. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, Cockerdo and Hygie might be. Yeah, exactly. But the rest of them are not even close. Nope. So yeah, well, it was like seven minute difference yeah. in their time, which was ridiculous. Yeah, and like all that considered, I'd have to give this show like an eight and a half, maybe nine so yeah. far. I yeah, I'd give it eight and a half, depending on the ending, how they handle it. Michael. Oh yeah, I think that uh, I, we forgot to mention best boy Nira, Nira's best. Boy. Oh, the dog. Yeah, doggo. <laughs> of course, you you can't have you can't have a sports anime without an adorable mascot. Yeah. Here. Oh, uh, I want to talk about Hanako real quick. Oh yeah, Hanako. Because. Is it Hanako or is it just Hana? Um, they kind. Of, I think it is like her full name is Hanako. Everybody just calls her Hana. Yeah, uh, I didn't expect to like her as much as I do. Yeah, uh, I was expecting her just to kind of be the mascot. Yeah, I expected actually. her to be the token girl. Yeah, uh, but it's so it's really inspirational watching her actually like genuinely care for everybody. Like she's there for every race. She's there with a stopwatch in her hand. Uh, like, she's constantly like telling them it's like we've it's like you're you're so close just keep going stuff like that and i really respect the the, the writer for not putting hana in a situation where she ends up falling in love with one of them or like she might be liking one of them like one of the twins so far or both of the twins yeah but they're not putting in a, not they're not making a lot of drama around that because hana's not she's a good person like yes yeah. it's, it's not like 
a, a boring high schooler girl. They're not high schoolers. Yeah, I mean, well, she is. is she's she? a, yeah, she's a high school student. Oh, okay. Well, well, she's handling it in a very mature way, I guess. Yeah. She. I'm. I'm really liking this show, and so yeah, eight and a half from me. So uh, yeah, that's uh, everything we've been watching for this season. Here's the scoreboard. Bam! There it yeah. is, right up on the screen. Woo! Yeah. So the we're we're gonna be talking about uh, the the new episodes next week, and then at the end of the season, we're gonna be doing our actual season. Yeah, our review. actual season review uh, yeah. of Winter 2019. It's still gonna take some time getting used to saying so, that. So see you guys at uh, the next episode of the podcast, whenever that happens, whenever we put this up. Not sure yet, but see you then. See ya. Take care.